I've titled this message, A Kingdom Heart. A Kingdom Heart. You turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. As I was waiting on the Lord for a message today, this text dropped into my spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, and here it is. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Now I'm going to focus on the first half of that verse today. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Well, as the scripture began to stir and stir in my heart, I realized that it holds two keys. Two keys for us having a kingdom influence in the lives of those around us. The first key is that we need to follow the way of love. And the second key is that we need to eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Now, as I reflected on the word love, And on the phrase, eagerly desire, I realize that we are dealing with matters of the heart. So if we choose to follow the way of love, we have a kingdom heart. And if we choose to eagerly desire spiritual gifts, we have a kingdom heart. Both these aspects are critical to us as believers. I wonder what would happen If each one of us would wake up tomorrow morning with this prayer in our hearts, this prayer, listen here, Lord, give me a heart of love for everyone I meet today. Help me to be patient and kind and courteous in everything I say and do. And Holy Spirit, I long for your gifts to operate through me today so that I can help people and extend your kingdom. What difference do you think that would make in your life if you had to wake up day by day praying for God's love to come in your hearts and to be manifested in love towards other people and for His gifts to flow through you every single day? So today's sermon has only two points. And the first point is follow the way of love. And the second point is? There we go. Eagerly desire spiritual gifts. So point one, follow the way of love. You can turn with me to Luke chapter 7. And uh, in Luke chapter 7, we read a story that gives us a picture of what love looks like. I'm reading from verse 36. From verse 36 to 47. Luke chapter 7, 36 to 47. Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house. And reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. 
Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. None of them had the money to pay him back. So he canceled the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Now there are three people in this story. And the condition of their hearts is so clearly reflected. Simon's heart is unloving and critical and harsh. The woman's heart is repentant and humble, full of love and full of gratitude. And Jesus' heart is compassionate and kind. Friends, in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1, Paul exhorts us to follow the way of love. And to do this, we have to continually check the state of our hearts. Jesus is our role model here. And so is the woman. So when we do a heart check and we find repentance and humility and gratitude, we know that we are following the way of love. And when we look at others with compassion, especially those who are difficult to love, then we are following the way of love like Jesus did. But if we do some introspection and we find that our hearts are like Simon's, full of irritation and criticism and accusation, then we are not following the way of love. And we need the Lord to help us. So how can we make following the way of love our daily reality? Here are four steps. Firstly, we need to receive our Heavenly Father's love and abide in His acceptance and blessing. We need to receive our Heavenly Father's love and abide in His acceptance and blessing. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, we read, Behold what manner of love the Father has lavished on us, that we can be called children of God, and that is what we are. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible because I know how much I need to rest in my Heavenly Father's love. You know, when I meditate on this verse and I think about it and I ponder on it and I picture the Father smiling on me and lavishing His love on me and calling me His child, then I'm able to love others in return. It's like 
God pours his love into me, and then I'm able to offer that same love to others. Somehow, when I meditate on this scripture and I stop trying to perform to gain God's love and acceptance, and I just receive his love, despite my own weaknesses, then something shifts in my view of others. I stop expecting other people to perform to gain my love and acceptance. And I'm able to love them despite their weaknesses. So when I find myself getting irritated or a bit grumpy or judgmental, I know where I need to go. I need to go to the Father. See, Lord, Lord, I need your love. I need your love. I need to spend time on him. I need to meditate again on what he says about me. I need to receive his love afresh in my life so that my love tank can be filled. There may be someone here and you are doubting that the Lord could love you. You're doubting it. Even as we sang many of those beautiful songs today about God's love, you doubted them. You may be feeling that your sins are too great and your failures too big. But here in the story, we see Jesus showing love and compassion to a sinful woman. She's a sinful woman. Yet Jesus lets her touch him and kiss his feet and pour perfume over them. And then he forgives her sins. No matter what you have been through or what you have done, Jesus does love you. And the Father will receive you. And he will lavish his love on you. You know, opening our hearts to receiving Father God's love is the first step to loving those around us. The second step to following the way of love is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. In Galatians 5 verse 22, we read about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And it's interesting that the very first fruit mentioned is, there we go, it's love. Last Monday morning, Pastor Philip Forster and his wife Lorraine and my wife Pam and I, we went for a tour of the inner city with a ministry group that ministers in the inner city of Pretoria. And uh, while we were there, we were amazed at the love and the humility of the people that were serving. Their compassion and their care for the poorest of the poor, for the homeless, for the drug addicts, for the sick, and for the ladies caught in prostitution was amazing. They had such love, such compassion. They were following the way of love. And as they showed us what they do and their different ministries, and they shared some testimonies, I could sense that these people were full of the Holy Spirit. They were full of the Holy Spirit. Now, there are definitely some people who are harder to love than others. Can you agree with me? Okay, there's some people who are harder to love than others. But I once read this quote by Dr. Miles Monroe, and it helped me to view these difficult-to-love people with more compassionate eyes. And the quote is this, People matter to God, no matter who they are, where they are, or how they are. Let me repeat that. People matter to God, no matter who they are, where they are, or how they are. But we need the Holy Spirit to fill us with His love so that we can respond to those people 
in the same way that Jesus would, with compassion and tenderness. The third step to following the way of love is to pray and ask God to help you to love. In John chapter 17, Jesus prays for us. It's the most beautiful prayer. You can read John 17. Right at the end, he prays this. He says, he prays that the same love the Father had for him would be in us. This is remarkable. Jesus is saying, Father God, you know that love that you have for me? Will you put it in them? That same love that you have for me, put it in them, Lord. So if Jesus asked his Father to help us to love, Surely we also need to pray and ask the Father to help us to love others. Think for a moment about someone that you are struggling to love. Let their face come to your mind. Think about them. Have you prayed recently and asked the Lord to help you to love that person? Have you prayed? Have you prayed with faith and an expectant heart? Believing that the Lord will help you, that, that He will do something in your heart, and that He will do something in their lives. When I was in my late teens, I remember reading 1 Corinthians chapter 13 about love. Now remember, our key verse for today is 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1. So 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1, follow the way of love, is on the tail end of the whole chapter on love, 1 Corinthians 13. That's the context. And I can remember reading 1 Corinthians 13, and right at the end of the chapter, it says this, Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And I can remember thinking, but the greatest of these is love. And I can, say, I can remember saying to the Lord, Lord, if this is so important, help me to love. And over the years, in personal and work situations, in the corporate world where I worked as well as in ministry environments, I've been amazed at how far just a little bit of love can go. You know, a smile or a listening ear, a touch, an encouraging word, just a little bit of care. Love is like water to the gardens of people's souls. It refreshes people. Friends, when we pray like this, when we pray, help me to love, Lord, our hearts soften towards those around us and we can show them compassion and patience and forgiveness. Remember, there's always a story behind someone's behavior. You know, they could be angry or they could reject you or they could be lonely or they could be withdrawn. There's always a story. So when we pray, two things happen. Firstly, the Lord can minister to them because He knows their story. But secondly, the Lord can help us to love them despite the way they may be treating us. Okay, the fourth step to following the way of love is to read God's word and to simply obey what he teaches us regarding love. In John chapter 13, there's a beautiful picture of Jesus washing his disciples' feet, serving them. And then later in the same chapter, Jesus says this to his disciples. A new commandment I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. 
By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. See, here is Jesus. He gives them this example of love, serving love, washing their feet. And then he says to them, you know, if you love one another, then the people around you are going to know that you're my disciples. It's by your love. It's by your love. Another key scripture that we can hold on to regarding love is 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 to 7. Because this is the love that Jesus showed. I want to read it and maybe let each one of these words sink into your hearts afresh today. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Love is not rude. That means love is courteous. Love is not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. I love that. Love always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. Now I want you to think about another person. And this time I want you to think about the person who is closest to you. So maybe it's your spouse, or maybe it's a child, maybe it's your parents, or or maybe it's one of your brothers or sisters, a sibling. So think about them. Which of these qualities of love in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 to 7, will make an impact in your relationship with him or her? Do they need you to be more patient with them? Do they need you to be more kind, less rude, more forgiving, slower to become angry? Friends, when we apply the word of God to our lives, the fruit in our relationships is lovely to behold. Transforms relationships. One last scripture to show how practical God's word is in helping us to love those around us. It's a very practical scripture, this. You might want to scribble it down. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. Never speak harshly to an older man, but appeal to him respectfully as you would to your own father. Talk to younger men as you would to your own brothers. Treat older women as you would your mother. And treat younger women with all purity as you would your own sisters. So if you have a difficult family member, or a difficult neighbor, or a difficult colleague at work, this scripture is very helpful. You know, even with people that you don't know, shop attendants, waiters, public servants. Friends, if it is an older man or woman, don't be harsh with them. Treat them as respectfully as you would your own father or mother. If it is a younger man or woman, treat them as you would your own sister or brother. I want to encourage you to test this one scripture. And see what difference it will make in your lives and in your ability to follow the way of love.
Okay, we're finally at point two. So the first point was, follow the way of love. The second point is, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Now, the key verse was, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. So following the way of love is the starting point. When our motive is to love people and to help them, then we are ready to eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. In actual fact, the Bible says that if we operate with the spiritual gifts, but we don't have love, we are like a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal, and that we gain nothing. We have no impact. But if we have love, if we have love, then the spiritual gifts are to be sought after eagerly. For in the spiritual gifts lies the supernatural power of God to save and heal and set people free. I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 8. And uh, find Acts chapter 8. And the context for Acts chapter 8 is that Stephen had just been martyred. And a great persecution had risen up against the church. And the church was scattered. Acts chapter 8 from verse 4. Now, uh, as I read this, we are going to have a look at the kingdom influence impact of someone named Philip who flowed in the gifts of the Spirit and the incredible effectiveness of his ministry. So as we read, every now and again I'm going to stop and I'm going to highlight the spiritual gift that he ministered with. Here we go. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. That's called the gift of evangelism. When we proclaim the Christ to someone that doesn't know, that is the gift of evangelism. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, that's called the gift of miracles. It's a gift. Miracles are a spiritual gift. They all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many. That's called the gift of discernment. And many paralytics and cripples were healed. That's called the gift of faith and the gift of healing. A little while later, after he's ministered there, an angel of the Lord tells Philip to go down to a road between Jerusalem and Gaza. And while he's walking there, he obeys, he goes there, and he meets an Ethiopian eunuch. Now, this is a very important official. He was in charge of the treasury of the queen of Ethiopia. So as he's walking there, he hears this man is reading from the prophet Isaiah. And he's reading that specific passage that talks about Jesus being a lamb and being led to slaughter. So he's walking there and the, youth, the Ethiopian eunuch calls him and says, come, come up here, come up here. Do you know what this is about? Do you know what this, do you know what? He says to him, he says, tell me please. This is verse 34 of Acts chapter 8. Who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Friends, that's called the gift of teaching. When we take the word of God and we unpack it and we help someone to understand, it's called the gift of teaching. A little while later they were traveling and the Ethiopian looked up and he saw some water and he said, is anything stopping me from getting baptized? And... Um, Someone's uh, cell phone singing. Is there anyone, uh, anything stopping me from, from, uh, from getting baptized? 
And uh, Philip says no. And they go down there and Philip baptizes him. Now that's called the gift of shepherding. Shepherding is whenever you take someone and you help them to go deeper in their walk with the Lord and to apply some of the doctrines and principles, that's called the gift of shepherding. So here we see Philip operating in seven, I counted, seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Friends, we live in a very broken world and people need us as believers to minister with love, but also with power. Gifts of the Spirit are divine enablements from the Holy Spirit. And it is a godly thing to desire these gifts in order to help others, in order to have a kingdom influence. When was the last time that you asked the Lord for a spiritual gift? When was the last time that you read and pondered on the Bible verses about spiritual gifts and eagerly desired any one of them? You see, it's very easy to get caught up with the day-to-day cares of life that we stop asking and seeking and longing to flow in the gifts of the Spirit. It's very easy to become apathetic, to live natural lives instead of supernatural lives. There's some people that even feel that it's inappropriate to ask for the gifts. They feel that the Lord will just give the gifts when He sees fit. But this is not what the Bible tells us to do. The Bible tells us to eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. And let me tell you that when the gifts begin to flow, you can make a tremendous difference in someone's life. One gift of knowledge, one word of knowledge can unblock incredible hurt and pain that a person's been through. It can set someone free. One gift of prophecy can speak encouragement right into someone's heart that's got no hope. Provide them with direction again. So the gifts are to be eagerly desired. When you leave church today, you're going to receive a little handout. And the little handout's going to have a list of all the spiritual gifts, as well as the four Bible references. I encourage you to read those Bible verses that contain where the, where the spiritual gifts are. And so you can read up on them yourself. I want to encourage you that as you work through that and read through it, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit as you re- read through that list. Highlight any gifts that you feel you have already received, as well as any of the gifts that you are trusting for or that are still stirring in your heart. I want to encourage you then to take that list and to go to your life group leader or to your pastor or to um, a a, a spirit-filled friend or family member and go talk to them and pray into them and read up on them and pursue them. And allow yourself to eagerly desire those gifts. You may even want to ask someone to lay hands on you and to pray for you for the release of that gift. In 2 Timothy 1 verse 6, Paul writes to Timothy and says this. He says, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Friends, let's eagerly desire spiritual gifts so that we, like Philip, can be effective in any situation that the Lord calls us to. So if I summarize, I just want to say that it's very exciting to be a follower of Jesus. He's invited us to partner with Him in extending His kingdom. But to do that, we need to have a kingdom heart. We need to follow the way of love, and we need to eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Let us pray.
Father God, we thank you for your love for each one of us. Thank you that we can rest in your love. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will remind us daily that each person we interact with matters to God. No matter who they are, where they are, or how they are. May the fruits of love flow through us so that we can be patient and kind, courteous and compassionate to our family members, to our friends, to our colleagues, and to the strangers who cross our paths. Lord Jesus, may those around us know that we are your disciples because of our love. Heavenly Father, I pray today that you will begin to stir our hearts, stir up a desire for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we are dependent on you. May our lives be powerful in word and deed as your spiritual gifts flow through us every single day. In Jesus' name.